Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. So you come in through this collectible, there's a CTA to join the community or rewards program. Now I have this in my wallet and I can start to interact with different essentially challenges or prompts that the brand gives me as a user. So that could be sharing the social, it could be showing up to an event, it could be buying a product. There's a list of essentially engagement activities that we know to be valuable from a brand building perspective that are fun and kind of par for the course for users. But the difference here is we are rewarding you for each action that you take with brand coins that then can be redeemed for perks, discounts to products, access to events, etc. Wistia is a complete video platform that lets you make high quality videos fast right in your browser. Record your face and screen, use AI to write scripts, even add background music. Try Wistia for free at wistia.com backslash millennials. Welcome back to another episode of the Market Millennials. Today, I have Ty on the podcast, the founder of Outdoor Voices, and now she founded TYB. We'll talk a little bit about that today. I wanted to get started and ask Ty, how did you get into entrepreneurship in the marketing space? I um, started my first company, Outdoor Voices, out of college. So I had grown up in Boulder, Colorado, moved to New York, went to design school at Parsons, and had always been an athlete, arrived in New York, never ran again, and like mentally was like, holy shit, I don't feel like myself. And so had to find ways, being a student in New York, to find inspiration to, to be active, and had grown up with the Nikes and Under Armors, et cetera, of the world. Loved the impact they had on me as a young athlete to like go be fast, cross the finish line first. But as an art student in New York, I was like, I'm looking for different inspiration. It's not about being fastest, strongest, hardest or best, but rather like just how do I motivate myself to be active every day? And so Outdoor Voices was born out of that personal pain point, quite literally being a student at school in New York. And so I sort of stumbled into it, into the activewear space, but that became kind of my first real business and and started that kind of the first year out of school and led it for eight years uh, after that. That makes so much sense why it's called Outdoor Voices now, because it's like you're in New York and you came from Boulder and it's like you're, you're just thinking back about being in Boulder and being in New York. It's, it makes so much sense. It meant to like uh, inspire that little kid in you to be out outdoors and find the joy in it. And we had um, a, like a call to action doing things, which very much like freed, freed the idea of fitness from performance and like allowed activity and people who wanted to be active, not to think of looking and feeling like an athlete, but you know, whatever uh, being active and moving their bodies meant, meant to them on an individual level. So one of the biggest learnings you learned at Outdoor Voices is the power of community. Could you talk a little bit about that and how it's transitioned to now a new business idea? So we were at the early innings, I'd say, of the direct-to-consumer 10-year like growth period. Um, and what was interesting and felt like natural to OV since day one was activating IRL, so offline, 
through dog walks, joggers clubs, hiking mountains, et cetera. And then capturing kind of that activity and amplifying it to grow and acquire new customers and awareness through social and digital. Seems obvious now, but we were just kind of starting as Instagram started to become more pervasive. And so that approach really led to building this, you know, looking back 10,000 person plus super engaged IRL community of ambassadors that ultimately became our number one growth channel. And fast forward, as we were able to look at the data over time, we found that anyone who was introduced through this offline community kind of in the field type marketing was ultimately four times more valuable than anyone we were acquiring through Instagram or Facebook, which, you know, at the end of the day, were expensive customers, unsticky customers, and ultimately not high value customers. So later on in life through that OV experience, as we were able to collect the data the community as as kind of our strongest growth channel uh, rang true. What were some of the most successful initiatives you did for community that you were like, oh, aha, we got to keep doing more of this? I mean, very simply, we formalized our tagline of doing things. Mm-hmm. And so then like overnight, as we put it out there, people would of course, tag doing things on social and you'd get thousands and thousands of, of people sharing and, and amplifying the mission and essentially pointing back to outdoor voices. So we were very early on, I'd say, in leveraging user-generated content and then that hashtag through Instagram to help us grow. That, wor- that worked super well. And then doing things became something that lived on a hat and you'd see out there on the trail or at a yoga, yoga studio and it became this symbol of your belonging to the community as did our tote that said Outdoor Voices Apparel for Recreation. And both of these essentially souvenirs from the brand, the Doing Things Hat and the tote, were walking billboards for us. And so that was another example of the community really became kind of the best advertising and we gave them assets or souvenirs to wear it proudly. So you, you've discovered this crazy unlock channel with 4X customer value for community. How did you decide and when did you decide, hey, there's like other companies could do this very well. I want to start doing this for other companies. Uh, yeah. So spend eight years at Outdoor Voices, we really leaned into kind of these offline pursuits. Another example is rather than going and paying rent in kind of like traditional mall spaces, like high rent, high traffic areas, all of our first 10 stores were in these neighborhood locations. So low rent, people would frequent them often because it was next to their house and we could easily run these events that got people back into the store often. So this kind of neighborhood store approach, this offline kind of activation and then amplification through social and, and then this community really became kind of our triangle for growth. At the same time, there was massive pressure to grow and kind of as our investors looked at, you know, left and right at other companies, They're like, we should be spending our dollars acquiring customers online. And so at the same time as this community growth strategy was happening, we were also spending a lot of money to acquire customers online. And it wasn't something that we ever got really great at. And so eventually, like I looked around, had deluded myself from raising so much capital and had kind of run these two strategies next to one another, but believed in the community strategy. And I ultimately ended up leaving Outdoor Voices to go build a tool that would allow people like me to prove the impact of community with their board kind of on the back of that Outdoor Voices experience. And so that's what we do with TYB. What are some cool use cases you've seen so far with people using TYB? Yeah, of course. We've essentially 
allowed brands to create a, a game through this platform where they invite their community members in. In most cases, it happens to be their super fans, their high value customers. They come in via a collectible or a membership collectible similar to the blue doing things had I described, but a digital version that lives in someone's wallet. So you come in through this collectible. There's a CTA to join the community or rewards program. Now I have this in my wallet and I can start to interact with different essentially challenges or prompts that the brand gives me as a user. So that could be sharing to social. It could be showing up to an event. It could be buying a product. There's a list of essentially engagement activities that we know to be valuable from a brand building perspective that are fun and kind of par for the course for users. But the difference here is we are rewarding you for each action that you take with brand coins that then can be redeemed for perks, discounts to products, access to events, etc. So it's really a new way of doing rewards. And there's kind of like a variety of ways that people or brands are using this today. Some of the brands are using it to bring their community in to help product test. And so how do we bring our customer closer and closer to the process to make the product better, bring insights and preferences upstream, and ultimately make better planning, planning decisions around buys, et cetera. Millennials and Gen Z are very into gamification these days. So I think giving them incentives to do things, especially if they're raising raving fans, yeah. raving fans want, but also there's so many brands that are coming up out of nowhere. So if you can keep those raving fans engaged, that's the most important thing to do. Totally. I, I think about this all the time, but like very simply as a brand builder and business owner, we're in, we're in a relationships business. And kind of the biggest aha for me was the Instagrams and Facebooks of the world have essentially removed us from those relationships and we'd be paying dollars to like get the purchase. However, there was no ability to then cultivate that relationship over time. And so with TYB, we give brands an owned channel where they have full access to all of the data around this community member. And what's interesting is uh, a lot of times we're going in and re replacing kind of incumbent loyalty programs for brands today. But for the first time, we're allowing them to connect transaction data or purchases for a customer to all of this type of engagement that I've described. And I think really the future of loyalty is way beyond just how much someone spends with you, but also all of the actions that they take and contribute kind of over time as an active citizen or kind of member of a community or brand. I think it's super important because I think a lot of brands have the issue of, hey, they know community is important like you did. Um, they know that it's a way to scale. They know that if they build it and, and it becomes bigger and bigger, it's going to be re have rewards. But the hardest part is the investors or the CEO or someone saying, but where's the revenue? I don't see the revenue. So I think it's super important to have a way anyway. And I think it's cool that you have found a way that community can be tracked back to business goals because otherwise community is just a fluffy word that someone says if you don't track it. As we look at the data and the, uh, the we can see essentially the purchase purchase behavior uh, from your TYB members, so those that are within kind of your community on TYB versus not, and across all brands, so we have sixty brands live. We're seeing an increased purchase frequency of two point two. So people are buying more when they're engaged in this way. We see a lifetime revenue increase, and and we're only a year in as a platform. 
of 28%. And we're seeing 8x the engagement on TYB as a channel versus the existing TikToks, Instagrams, et cetera. And so early, it's very early innings, early signals. But our bet and the holy grail here is there's high quality engagement that ultimately, if you run kind of your community through, will net incremental value to you from a long-term revenue perspective. Someone said this in a previous podcast, but the word brand loyalty is actually fake because if you stop doing these type of actions, they will stop being loyal to your brand if you don't give them incentives to be a part of your brand. Um, So there is brand loyalty at the time, at a moment in time, but it's never a forever thing. So if you, you have to keep people doing cool things and engaged and keep marketing and keep doing cool things with them otherwise. It's interesting, like what we found from a user perspective, and I believe to be true is at the end of the day, it comes down to great product. I think there's certainly way too many brands that don't have great product today and those will go extinct. But the user wants money. So they want incentives. They want connection. So in the TYB world, for the first time, they're able to interact with other lovers of this brand. And then they want fun. And so again, this gamification, like let's not just make it again about how much you buy with me, but let's give you challenges to like show how much of a brand lover you are. And what we what we found is by giving brands this own channel, and even as a user myself, I'm thinking of the brands like that are in my pocket on TYB at least once a day. Um, and so TYB becomes kind of this one portal into rewards and relationships from my favorite brands. Whereas in, you know, in the past, if I'm a member of a brand, I have to remember to go to their website or wait to get an email. This allows me to be on the ball in the sense uh, and get push notifications from all of my favorite brands and people that participate with these brands. I think also one thing that I think is key of what you said and what you did at Outdoor Voices is if you can find a way to connect your product to a hobby or activity someone's already doing on a daily basis, then your product, they're connecting with people who really love the brand, but also love running or love hiking or love walking. So then it's become something that they can do on a daily, weekly basis instead of, they're not going to come shop once a week, but they, they want to hang out with people who, if someone loves a brand, they sure have a lot of the same values because they connected with that brand in some way. And if you can find something outdoor or not even outdoor, if you're a gaming company, have a gaming thing, do something that connects them to a common hobby. Totally. Uh, We have become, well, we help put a framework around brand building for brands on on TYB and like create a playbook and systems. But it starts with clear mission and purpose. Like what's your reason for being? Some people need help with that and don't articulate it super clearly or on a repeated basis. The second thing are... Uh, rituals for activation. So exactly what you're saying. And that could be in the fitness world. I would say for most brands, there's an obvious like way to activate a ritual, but the key there is consistency. And so with the platform, for instance, we call them core loops, but every Monday challenges for brands are released. Uh, People participate. There are various things. Every Friday, there's a leaderboard and the leaders are rewarded for being leaders that week. And then we amplify through the community who those who those leaders are. So activate, reward, amplify is kind of this, it's a game design technique, but core loop that every brand now plays. But they're, you know, each brand has their unique version of rituals for activation, show up to an exercise event or show us your get ready with me as a beauty brand. 
And then the next two are incentivization. And I think coming from a world where as a user like me, my loyalty has just been liking a brand's posts on Instagram. That's not all that valuable to me as a user. Now people are getting rewarded for all of these actions that they're taking and essentially accruing brand value that then they can go buy more product, get access, et cetera. And the fourth thing beyond that is really just connection. And I think particularly for Gen Z, as we've done a lot of research here, people are looking for friendship as we're more online, like they want to connect over common interests. And so that fun and that connection is something that we're seeing people really lean into and brands in a lot of ways become kind of that, you know, way in. Hey marketers, listen up. Wistia is my best kept secret for creating videos for your business. You can record and edit videos right in your browser and even use their AI to write your script. With Wistia, you can record your face and screen for videos like sales pitches or product demo. And the video editor is pretty much foolproof. Seriously, you've got to check it out. Start creating videos for free at wistia.com backslash millennials. That's W-I-S-T-I-A dot com slash millennials. Going back to what you said on number one, so... If I was a brand today, how should I start thinking about the mission and values before I start doing all this stuff? What are some key things you recommend to brands that come on your platform or that come ask you this? It's a lot about just simplification, distilling to the essence or editing. So Doggy, I'm an energy brand. This mission in particular is about inspiring people to move their bodies to maximize happiness. And that oftentimes comes from the founder story. I often tell people to spend a lot more time with themselves and like tease out what's unique about their view on the world. And then how does that come out in like a single sentence? And so without your voices, I, I'm someone who very much believes in movement for, you know, making us both mentally and physically kind of the best versions of ourselves. So the way that came out for Outdoor Voices was we're here to get the world moving. And I often think the brands that do it best, like, create kind of this platform in a sense as a brand by by having such a simple and high level reason for being. So get the world moving or maximize happiness or movement. It needs to be broadly applicable where people can see themselves in it. And then the individuals essentially activate it and bring the uniqueness and differentiation uh, based on that call to action. But I think like very, it's very much about simplifying, distilling and kind of like creating kind of this higher purpose. I think it's great because if you started with that, say you believe in movement, then you can go down to your rituals and say what rituals inspire our mission of movement. And then you can go, how do I incentivize people to move more? And then you can use all those to make the framework that you just said too. Um, and you could do that for all the things in your company. Like movement is my is my 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 goal. How do I make my product be able to move better or make people move. It's, everything could be just off of that mission that you said. Uh, we work with a lot of beauty brands and a lot of like the up and comers or kind of like high growth ones are all about helping people um, or like inspiring confidence. So like feel great in the skin you're in. And so rather than, you know, the, the trend in media has become like rather than like cover your face to like hide imperfections, it's like really lean into kind of your uniqueness, but but ultimately at the core, what they're tapping into is like self-confidence, joy. And um, so I think it's just 
like distilling it or tracing it back to like a real human need and then making sure that you can simply and clearly articulate it like on a daily, monthly, yearly basis. Like a lot of it is about impressions and just simplifying for the user, like where you as a brand sit in their mind. One thing you also said, which I think is 100% true, but I think you can use your platform for this, but I want to see how you did it at Outdoor Voices. But you said the product has to be the number one thing, the best thing, or, or something that people love. So what are some things you did to make sure that your product was what everybody loved? I mean, it's very simple also. Like a business only works if someone's going to repeat purchase, right? And so they have to love the product to spend their money there. And then you want many, many, many repeat purchases. But out of the gates, we we essentially created product that looked and felt very different to what existed on the market. And so traditional activewear was shiny. Uh, it was black and like neon colors and looked and felt like a Nike ad. And like, that's awesome. Pay homage to that. But what we did was we said, no black, all grays. We're going into textures. And we want to create the uniform from top to bottom that simplifies essentially what you're hopping into to then go be active. And so we started the company with kits and there were two and four piece kits. And so what a kit was, was a top, which was your sports bra and a legging. And it was two tone at the time. So it was a gray and a white and it looked visually way different than what existed. And it also came merchandised as a two piece for the price of one legging for an existing company. It came two pieces, my outfit. I didn't have to think about anything else and I was ready to go. Two and four piece kits became kind of our signature item and essentially what we built kind of outdoor voices off of and then expanded obviously into more colorways products, et cetera, from there. Yeah, I remember my first experience with outdoor voices because my wife went in there and she she got biker shorts and to this day, her those biker shorts are her favorite biker shorts and I've she's tried other biker shorts and she's never <laughs> got to it. like that, the outdoor voices. But I you get the feel when you go into an outdoor voices, what the mission is. Even in the stores, you get you feel what the mission is. And it does feel different than most athleisure brands feel like you're going into a yoga store or a running store. I think Outdoor Voices feels anybody could be an outdoor person. You don't have to be a runner or a yogi to be those, those things. My one kind of hope for the world in the brand, in the brand building space is like that people really spend time thinking about and investing in what makes them unique and different. And like that work needs to be done up front, but there's just so much sameness. <laughs> it's I think the brands that are really going to win are the ones that are going to be thoughtful about where to take risks and do things that are unexpected. And a lot of ways, like in a lot of ways, that's what allowed Outdoor Voices to like be such a strong brand and it's missing a lot of kind of the original pieces and the spirit there, but it's got such a foundation that feels different than than others that it can live, you know, on. Why do you think that paid didn't work for your brand? Because you got, you have such a great brand. So what what are the elements that you thought didn't work out of the time? Like the activewear space is super competitive. Like we never really put resources into building a growth team. And so 
I think we'd probably like test into it and then and then like reverse out of it quite quickly or just like never quite got the hang of it. So my expertise in particular is in a different place than like a finite, you know, like figuring out like from a financial perspective, how much to put in and what's that ultimately going to net us in kind of the paid performance model. But I ultimately think it came down to like such a competitive and saturated market where it's hard to differentiate online between this legging and that legging. Yeah, it's really hard to, even if you have a a strong mission goal and brand, to portray that in a 60-second, because it's such a story you have to tell and all that. But that's why I think it's still so important to have, because what I'm hearing is Outdoor Voices really did well on organic channels, and those are tried and true channels that should be where people grow on paid is just an accelerant to all that but tried and true channels is what's going to keep you in business um the founder of chubby's just said this to me yeah three days ago oh i love it yeah and chubby's is a cool brand we 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 would um have a consistent drumbeat of major marketing moments that would go full channel but they'd also like press was our greatest asset like we could come up with new product launches, put a really kind of like cool story that tied back to that mission around it. And then it'd go wild and the press would do it for us. You know what I mean? And that, that felt more correct for our brand. And ultimately, like if we could have gone on into forever, like doing that, I, I would have chosen that path. What do you think the future of community is for like 2024 and beyond? Where, where do you see it moving towards? I think of a new model um, that we call community integrated commerce. And so what I get excited about within the next probably three to five years is this idea that community members or customers also have ownership in brands. And so true community ownership is is kind of this concept we're seeing kind of come from the blockchain world, et cetera. But I believe that the next Nike is going to be truly community owned, founded and run. And it just makes sense. And a lot of what we're doing with TYB is how do we bring brands and fans closer and more closely align incentives where the customers who essentially are going to fuel the growth of the brand have incentive to stick with the brand over the long term. And so that can start with something as simple as rewards like we're at today. It can move into something like revenue-based rewards or royalties, let's say in a co-created product. So we've brought a thousand customers into design or co-create the next Crocs with us. At, like Based on the success of that, we're going to like give royalties back to that group who helped. And then walking up into true community ownership. And so this collectible that I'm talking about that might represent your membership into a community today, three to five years from now could represent real equity or ownership in a brand. Um, if you haven't, or I'm curious if you've read uh, Squad Wealth or Headless Brands by Toby Shoren and the other internet. I haven't read that, but now I'm going to okay. add it to my list. You need today. to. I mean, it's it's amazing. I think I think it taps into this idea of squad wealth, where there's these communities that are persistently communicating um, and essentially like are looking to have a collective win and a collective kind of sense of self versus just the individual. And I think this kind of formation of community applied to commerce or applied to consumer brands is going to manifest itself in the ways I just described, where like it's all about more close alignment 
of incentives between the brand itself and then that community or customer base. I mean, you you see it for it's been going on for a while. If you see it with Green Bay Packers, their their whole fans could buy equity into. Like, it's hard to do it, but they have equity in the team. But also season ticket holders, they feel like they're invested in their team for a season. So those you see it in other places, but I don't think it's fully gone to the e-com or any space except for employees like employees are the only ones who usually get equity not customers and it's it's interesting just having raised so much venture capital and so with ov we raised at least 60 million and again like what comes with that is like this pressure to grow at a breakneck speed and some some businesses i'd say aren't built for that or shouldn't be under those that pressure like my, my goal would be to build like a long-term sustainable brand like a Patagonia that lives and has impact for a long time versus like we hope for the best and you know there's a 10% chance that this is going to get huge overnight. Also, when things get get huge, like they make themselves trends and people lose interest. So I think there's certainly a better model than the VC-backed direct-to-consumer model we've seen where you know there's a few winners. But I also question like who's winning in that model. A lot of times it's not the founders and it's not the fans. That thesis right there is the reason why the, like, the people stay bootstrapped and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you saw, I mean, Mad Happy has been doing it for a long time. Yeah. That's a great brand who's doing it. Um, yeah. It's just, it's cool to see brands. And I think you made a good point about there is a problem where scale meets trend and you, you don't want to get to the point where you become a, 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 a everybody's wearing it. There's one brand that I know, I'm not going to say it on here, but they're all over. They used to be big in California, a clothing brand, but now everybody's wearing it. And I don't want to wear it anymore because now everybody's wearing it. But when it started in California, I was a raving fan. They were the only, one of the only brands there. And I was, yeah. I would, when I went to other cities, I would rep it. Yeah. And now it's everywhere. And I'm, everybody has it. I don't want to wear it anymore. And particularly in something like clothing, like how big do we want to get? And like, is like max growth ultimately the right thing for you know, the person starting the brand and then the people who are consumers of the brand? I don't know. What is a marketing hill you would die on? I am a huge believer in uh, documenting don't produce. Document don't produce. That's something that I, that just kind of like instinctively comes naturally to me. And so a good example kind of in the activewear space is a lot of times brands will go hire models to like be in their campaigns. And like for us, it, it was so clear to like go find the true rock climbers and like let them do their thing. They're in outdoor voices and then you capture it and like allow it to be loose. It doesn't need to be like polished and produced. And that essentially, like I found that that salted the senses in a much more wild and real and kind of human way that people were very attracted to, but probably couldn't name it at the time. And now, and now we've seen that like user generated content and like, and that kind of on a micro level document don't produce is the most high converting and valuable content. And we see it everywhere. So that doesn't feel new, but, but it's, it's something that instinctively worked. And I even think today, like people are often, or brands are often like too precious about like the perfect look, but like go the opposite way, zig when they zag and like let things be loose and natural and real and human and imperfect. And that's, yeah, like almost like a, 
guy or gal with the camera at the skateboard park. Like that should be how brands capture content and then allow it to permeate or expand. And I think one thing you, which helps the case too, is having a community that does these things already that are wearing your stuff that you just can go document for your, for user generated content and stuff like that. Because I, I just think if you had people naturally, your customers naturally going out to running and they all out outdoor voices, they are your best totally people, people to do that instead of, and if you have a community, it's easy to say, hey, we're going to do a photo shoot while you're doing this for our next campaign. Mm-hmm. Would you like to be in it? And the mm-hmm. community members probably will be like, Heck yeah, I want to be all over the place because I'm a fan of this brand. And a lot of people do this now, and it's awesome. I just remember back to like early OV that was so obvious. Make your fans an extension of your team and that closeness that like treat them like your best friend, like treat them like a group text. Like that's how a brand in my view should feel. It doesn't need to be like this overproduced performance. Last question I have for you is if you... We're going back to the start and starting over um, outdoor voices. What is something you would have changed um, from the beginning? Well, I have been incubating a brand that has a similar mission with Joggy. So maybe I can answer it through that. Okay, answer it through that. I am not raising VC. And so I have essentially incubated the product over the last year with 2,500 Joggies or community members that live in TYB and essentially they have co-created our first energy drink. So they tasted it out of the gates and then have been along the journey from a co-creation and product testing standpoint until we just went live in our first retail 34 doors in Foxtrot um, in October. And so again, that closeness, that community integration from day zero uh, is how, how I'm you know starting this from zero brand. And then I've been very particular about who I bring in as investors and I have stayed pretty clear of VC and more so focused on talent, like talent that can amplify and help from a distribution standpoint. So I'm cool with like slower growth. I'm still going to create kind of these stunty, exciting moments that from a top of funnel awareness perspective, like people catch sight or like they take notice, but I'm from a funding and kind of uh, yeah foundational standpoint, not looking to raise all the money in the world and much more into bootstrapping this, et cetera. I think it also, you know how to create a brand. So a lot of people forget that part of brand building and the importance of brand building and think if you can create a brand from the beginning that people love, they will stay for a long, long time. And if you if you start caring more about growth and less about brand, then you you get to this place where you become a trend and my wife hates if I ever call her trendy because it's, mm-hmm. it's the worst yes. the worst word totally. in the dictionary for her. Yeah, totally. Uh, I need to send you guys some joggy energy. It's really lovely. Um, I'm down clean. to try anything. Um, cool. I'm also love energy drink. So not like the only one I actually have been drinking is Celsius. I, I have been oh, yeah. off the other one. So, we're, so I'm going to try We'll your, replace your Celsius. Yeah. It's really delicious. Last thing, where can people find you, what you're doing, all the cool stuff? I'm on Instagram. I think I might start TikTok in the next day or so, so you could follow me there. But um, Ty Haney on Instagram and then Get Joggy is our clean energy uh, new brand. It's really great. And then TYB.XYZ is the platform that we're off to the races with. 
that does exactly what we've just been talking about. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining. It's been a pleasure and I'm excited to see you get on TikTok and also see Joggy become the next big energy drink that was bootstrap. Yeah, I forgot to mention this, but it, it's interesting because we we're just coming off of it. But we launched um, with Rare Beauty and Selena Gomez on TYB uh, last week. And so that's been a phenomenal kind of success and and um, a really interesting community to join to like start to understand what play to earn community rewards looks and feels like. We just had Katie Walsh at our um, marketing event and she's the best. I yeah, love she's Katie. awesome. She She's like best in class influencer wise. So really cool to have them lean into into this new model with us well thank you so much for joining um i really appreciate it of course yeah very cool thanks so much for listening tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators if you haven't already please consider subscribing to the marketing millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating it helps bring more marketers into our community